Book Ten, Chapters One and Two of the Antiquities of the Jews, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Antiquities of the Jews, Volume Two by Flavius Josephus, translated by William Whiston. Book Ten, Chapters One and Two. Book Ten containing the interval of one hundred and eighty-two years and a half, from the captivity of the ten tribes to the first year of Cyrus. Chapter 1. How Sennacherib made an expedition against Hezekiah. What threatenings Rabshakeh made to Hezekiah when Sennacherib was gone against the Egyptians. How Isaiah the prophet encouraged him. How Sennacherib, having failed of success in Egypt, returned thence to Jerusalem and how upon finding his army destroyed he returned home, and what befell him a little afterward. It was now the fourteenth year of the government of Hezekiah, king of the two tribes, when the king of Assyria, whose name was Sennacherib, made an expedition against him with a great army, and took all the cities of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin by force. And when he was ready to bring his army against Jerusalem, Hezekiah sent ambassadors to him beforehand, and promised to submit, and pay what tribute he should appoint. Hereupon Sennacherib, when he heard of what offers the ambassadors made, resolved not to proceed in the war, but to accept of the proposals that were made him, and if he might receive three hundred talents of silver, and thirty talents of gold, he promised that he would depart in a friendly manner, and he gave security upon oath to the ambassadors that he would then do him no harm, but go away as he came. So Hezekiah submitted, and emptied his treasures, and sent the money, as supposing he should be freed from his enemy, and from any further distress about his kingdom. Accordingly, the Assyrian king took it, and yet had no regard to what he had promised. But while he himself went to the war against the Egyptians and Ethiopians, he left his general Rabshakeh, and two other of his principal commanders, with great forces, to destroy Jerusalem. The names of the other two commanders were Tartan and Rabsaris. Now as soon as they were come before the walls, they pitched their camp and sent messengers to Hezekiah, and desired that they might speak with him. But he did not himself come out to them for fear, but sent three of his most intimate friends. The name of one was Eliakim, who was over the kingdom, and Shebna and Joah the recorder. So these men came out, and stood over against the commanders of the Assyrian army. And when Rabshakeh saw them, he bid them go and speak to Hezekiah in the manner following, that Sennacherib, the great king, desires to know of him, on whom it is that he relies and depends, in flying from his lord, and will not hear him, nor admit his army into his city. Is it on account of the Egyptians, and in hopes that his army would be beaten by them? whereupon he lets them know that if this is what he expects, he is a foolish man, and like one who leans on a broken reed, while such a one will not only fall down, but will have his hand pierced and hurt by it, that he ought to know he makes this expedition against him by the will of God, who hath granted this favor to him, that he shall overthrow the kingdom of Israel, and that in the very same manner he shall destroy those that are his subjects also. When Rabshakeh had made this speech in the Hebrew tongue, for he was skillful in that language, Eliakim was afraid lest the multitude that heard him should be disturbed, 
so he desired him to speak in the Syrian tongue. But the general, understanding what he meant, and perceiving the fear he was in, he made his answer with a greater and a louder voice, but in the Hebrew tongue, and said that, since they all heard what were the king's commands, they should consult their own advantage in delivering up themselves to us, for it is plain that both you and your king dissuade the people from submitting by vain hopes, and so induce them to resist. But if you be courageous, and think to drive our forces away, I am ready to deliver to you two thousand of these horses that are with me for your use, if you can set as many horsemen on their backs, and show your strength, but what you have not you cannot produce. Why, therefore, do you delay to deliver up yourselves to a superior force who can take you without your consent, although it will be safer for you to deliver yourselves up voluntarily, while a forcible capture, when you are beaten, must appear more dangerous, and will bring further calamities upon you? When the people, as well as the ambassadors, heard what the Assyrian commander said, they related it to Hezekiah, who thereupon put off his royal apparel, and clothed himself with sackcloth, and took the habit of a mourner, and after the manner of his country, he fell upon his face, and besought God, and entreated him to assist them, now they had no other hope of relief. He also sent some of his friends, and some of the priests, to the prophet Isaiah, and desired that he would pray to God, and offer sacrifices for their common deliverance, and so put up supplications to him, that he would have indignation at the expectations of their enemies, and have mercy upon his people. And when the prophet had done accordingly, an oracle came from God to him, and encouraged the king and his friends that were about him, and foretold that their enemies should be beaten without fighting, and should go away in an ignominious manner, and not with that insolence which they now show, that God would take care that they should be destroyed. He also foretold that Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, should fail of his purpose against Egypt, and that when he came home he should perish by the sword. About the same time also the king of Assyria wrote an epistle to Hezekiah, in which he said that he was a foolish man, in supposing that he should escape from being his servant, since he had already brought under many and great nations. And he threatened that when he took him, he would utterly destroy him, unless he now opened the gates, and willingly received his army into Jerusalem. When he read this epistle, he despised it on account of the trust he had in God, but he rolled up the epistle and laid it up within the temple. And as he made his further prayers to God for the city, and for the preservation of all the people, the prophet Isaiah said that God had heard his prayer, and that he should not be besieged at this time by the king of Assyria, that for the future he might be secure of not being at all disturbed by him, and that the people might go on peaceably and without fear with their husbandry and other affairs. But after a little while the king of Assyria, when he had failed of his treacherous designs against the Egyptians, returned home without success on the following occasion. He spent a long time in the siege of Pelusium, and when the banks that he had raised over against the walls were of a great height, and when he was ready to make an immediate assault upon them, but heard that Tirhaka, the king of the Ethiopians, was coming and bringing great forces to aid the Egyptians, and was resolved to march through the desert, and so to fall directly upon the Assyrians, this king Sennacherib was disturbed at the news, and, as I said before, left Pelusium, and returned back without success. 
Now concerning this Sennacherib, Herodotus also says, in the second book of his histories, how, quote, this king came against the Egyptian king, who was the priest of Vulcan, and that as he was besieging Pelusium, he broke up the siege on the following occasion. This Egyptian priest prayed to God, and God heard his prayer, and sent a judgment upon the Arabian king. But in this Herodotus was mistaken when he called this king, not king of the Assyrians, but of the Arabians. For he saith that, quote, a multitude of mice gnawed to pieces in one night, both the bows and the rest of the armor of the Assyrians, and that it was on that account that the king, when he had no bows left, drew off his army from Pelusium, end quote. And Herodotus does indeed give us this history, nay, and Berosus, who wrote of the affairs of Chaldea, makes mention of this king Sennacherib, and that he ruled over the Assyrians, and that he made an expedition against all Asia and Egypt, and says thus, quote, Now when Sennacherib was returning from his Egyptian war to Jerusalem, he found his army under Rabshakeh his general in danger by a plague, for God had sent a pestilential distemper upon his army, and on the very first night of the siege, a hundred fourscore and five thousand, with their captains and generals, were destroyed. So the king was in a great dread and in a terrible agony at this calamity, and being in great fear for his whole army, he fled with the rest of his forces to his own kingdom and to his city Nineveh. And when he had abode there a little while, he was treacherously assaulted, and died by the hands of his elder sons, Adramelech and Saraser, and was slain in his own temple, which was called Araske. Now these sons of his were driven away on account of the murder of their father by the citizens, and went into Armenia, while Asarachodas took the kingdom of Sennacherib. And this proved to be the conclusion of this Assyrian expedition against the people of Jerusalem. Chapter 2 how Hezekiah was sick and ready to die, and how God bestowed upon him fifteen years longer life, and secured that promise by the going back of the shadow ten degrees. Now King Hezekiah, being thus delivered, after a surprising manner, from the dread he was in, offered thank-offerings to God with all his people, because nothing else had destroyed some of their enemies, and made the rest so fearful of undergoing the same fate that they departed from Jerusalem, but that divine assistance. Yet, while he was very zealous and diligent about the worship of God, did he soon afterwards fall into a severe distemper, insomuch that the physicians despaired of him, and expected no good issue of his sickness, as neither did his friends. And besides the distemper itself, there was a very melancholy circumstance that disordered the king, which was the consideration that he was childless, and was going to die, and leave his house and his government without a successor of his own body. So he was troubled at the thoughts of this his condition, and lamented himself, and entreated of God that he would prolong his life for a little while till he had some children, and not suffer him to depart this life before he was become a father. Hereupon God had mercy upon him, and accepted of his supplication, because the trouble he was under at his supposed death was not because he was soon to leave the advantages he enjoyed in the kingdom, nor did he on that account pray that he might have a longer life afforded him, but in order to have sons that might receive the government after him. And God sent Isaiah the prophet, and commanded him to inform Hezekiah 
that within three days' time he should get clear of his distemper, and should survive it fifteen years, and that he should have children also. Now upon the prophet's saying this, as God had commanded him, he could hardly believe it, both on account of the distemper he was under, which was very sore, and by reason of the surprising nature of what was told him. So he desired that Isaiah would give him some sign or wonder, that he might believe him in what he had said, and be sensible that he came from God, for things that are beyond expectation, and greater than our hopes, are made credible by actions of the like nature. And when Isaiah had asked him what sign he desired to be exhibited, he desired that he would make the shadow of the sun, which he had already made to go down ten steps, or degrees, in his house, to return again to the same place, and to make it as it was before. And when the prophet prayed to God to exhibit this sign to the king, he saw what he desired to see, and was freed from his distemper, and went up to the temple where he worshipped God and made vows to him. At this time it was that the dominion of the Assyrians was overthrown by the Medes, but of these things I shall treat elsewhere. But the king of Babylon, whose name was Baladin, sent ambassadors to Hezekiah with presents, and desired he would be his ally and his friend. So he received the ambassadors gladly, and made them a feast, and showed him his treasures and his armory, and the other wealth he was possessed of, in precious stones and in gold, and gave them presents to be carried to Baladin, and sent them back to him. Upon which the prophet Isaiah came to him, and inquired of him whence those ambassadors came, to which he replied that they came from Babylon, from the king, and that he had showed them all he had, that by the sight of his riches and forces he might thereby guess at the plenty he was in, and be able to inform the king of it. But the prophet rejoined and said, Know thou that, after a little while, these riches of thine shall be carried away to Babylon, and thy posterity shall be made eunuchs there, and lose their manhood, and be servants to the king of Babylon, for that God foretold such things would come to pass. Upon which words Hezekiah was troubled, and said that he was himself unwilling that his nation should fall into such calamities. Yet since it was not possible to alter what God had determined, he prayed that there might be peace while he lived. Beresus also makes mention of this Baladin, king of Babylon. Now as to this prophet Isaiah, he was by the confession of all a divine and wonderful man in speaking truth, and out of the assurance that he had never written what was false, he wrote down all his prophecies, and left them behind him in books, that their accomplishment might be judged of from the events by posterity nor did this prophet do so alone, but the others, which were twelve in number, did the same. And whatsoever is done among us, whether it be good or whether it be bad, comes to pass according to their prophecies. But of every one of these we shall speak hereafter. End of Book 10, Chapters 1 and 2